Welcome to Mind and Heart, a podcast by Trinity Christian School in Fairfax, Virginia. In this space, we explore our calling to raise up the next generation to be salt and light in the world. Hey everybody, this is part two of our interview with Dr. Vanderpool, where I ask him questions that you submitted. So if you missed part one, you should definitely go back and listen to that as well. And keep in mind, we did film this episode back in December, so that might be helpful context. All right, without further ado, let's jump back into the interview. All right, let's see. This is a good next question. It says, what advice do you have for this year's seniors as they navigate their final year in high school? And I would add on even as they approach their first year in college, what what would be maybe your number one piece of advice for them? I think it's hard for all of us to really live in the present. And that's true here at school, because no matter what's going on, for instance, we're already next week submitting the budget for next year. We've been working on the cost analysis for that. We're thinking ahead to Thanksgiving and to Christmas, but it's almost every day is taken up with thinking about something that is still future to us. And as a result, we really don't drink in the present. And for our seniors who are caught up with uh, college applications and wanting to move on to the future, and yet this is really their last year with their families in the way it's been for 18 years. Yes, they're always going to be part of that family, but it will be different. And so I think one of the things I'd encourage them to do is just really take time to smell the roses of the family and and just enjoy that because it, it is going to be different going forward. And parents know that. We raise our children uh, to enable them to leave us, but in some things it's a bitter sweet thing. And so I think to also as they move into that first year of college to just be centered in the present and not be continually thinking, you know, let's not start out the beginning of freshman year with thinking about where we're going to go to grad school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that try, try to live in the present, and that's not always easy. Not for any of us, seniors or me either. I feel like you're talking directly to me, so definitely a hard practice to put into place, but an important one. This is a great question that may or may not have been submitted by yours truly, but some of us would love to know, what is Dr. Vanderpool's favorite movie and why? Well, I would say The Wind and the Lion with Sean Connery and Candace Bergen. Mrs. Pettikaris has been captured by El Raizuli, Lord of the Rift, in North Africa, outside of Tripoli. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt is going to send in the fleet, and we're going to rescue Mrs. Pettikaris. But it has all the daring do and the heroism and all of the undertones of growing affection between her and her captor who rescues her from other brigands along the way. And it's just one of those historic sort of epics that uh, I love. 
you know, as reading Schellebager and Sabatini, uh, all of those books on which the Errol Flynn movies were based, I find Wind and the Lion to be sort of of that same genre. Mm. Well, I have to say I wasn't that interested until you mentioned the potential love story there. Now, maybe I'll give it a watch. Okay, very good. (laughs) A little something for everyone in there. All right. This is kind of a funny question. A student wrote in, when it comes to your title, do you prefer Mr., Dr., Grandmaster of the Karate, Mr. Doctor, Dr. Mr., or Dr. Mr., Mr. Doctor, Grandmaster of the Karate? I think High King would would, uh. would just be uh, you know probably sufficient. You know, it's funny when when the boys were growing up, I used to uh, to give them titles, and and I would be the the High King. But titles cost nothing, but uh, they can take them very seriously. So they would have titles such as Lord of Arthas, Conqueror of Thur, Knight of the Empire, Lord wow. High Admiral of the Fleet, uh, which would be uh, Tim, and Matt would be uh, Commander of the Armies of the High King. Nathan would be Commander of the High King's most royal person. Uh, <laughs> he would check behind the curtains in my bedroom before I would uh, go to bed at night. And so... Um, <laughs> I, I think there is something about uh, titles that uh, are effective. But at the end of the day, hey, you will be fine. <laughs> uh, and, and David is certainly sufficient a given name. And I think our titles that we value so highly here are, are going to be meaningless in heaven. And the Lord will give us a new name written on a white stone that no one knows except the one to whom he gives it. And so I think that titles and names, until we receive that one, that most important one, are are pretty much fleeting. Mm, Amen to that. And you tied that up so nicely, but for the people who maybe don't know, where does the karate come into play here? We, uh, with the three boys, uh, I started doing karate with them. When I was 52, and actually did that with Mrs. Kim as well, who was part of that uh, class, and and so went through uh, up to the first black belt level with uh, with them over uh, over seven years, and then uh, uh, our youngest one continued on for some years uh, after that. So uh, that's probably where the karate comes from. Wow! So just in case you didn't know, stay on his good side. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right. So if you were to write a book, what would you write about? Well, if you ask my wife, she would tell you that I'm much better at starting books than finishing books. Mm. However, I have had uh, a book on the back burner for over 30 years. I've drawn maps. It is called The Alkiran War, and it has to do with the land of Alkira. And... um, most of the titles that I gave to the boys would have come out of that, be it uh, Lord of Athos and Thur and the Gulf of Amandas and uh, um, all of those geographic places that I've plotted out. So doubt that it will ever come to completion, uh, done uh, some chapters here and there. But I, I, I like that, that genre somewhat and... Uh, so that might be something I, I would, you know, dabble at in retirement. Well, I hope for our sake that it comes to completion so we can all read it. Now that I know about it, I am on the edge of my seat here. This next question 
is asking, how do you think that being head of school for the last 18 years, is that correct? How has that really impacted you as a person? There's a quote from Dostoevsky that I, I will probably use at some time in, in some gathering, be it with faculty or uh, some farewell event. But And I can't pull it out exactly right now. But it, it, it talks about the fact that um, as we have together lived and achieved that in that process, each of us has made us much better than we were ourselves. And I think I have very much have that sense at Trinity that the people the Lord has brought around me have made me much better than I ever could be and am actually in and of myself. Mm. And the great miracle for me has always been that um, this hasn't blown up in my face. And I think about all that's involved and how the Lord has just hedged up Trinity and has kept my ignorance and stupidity and, <laughs> and uh, so many other things, natural proclivities, and has held them in check and, and enabled me to serve and to function. It's really a testimony to uh, his gracious mercy but also showing me how I have been not just sharpened, but that with others around me, I have been so much better and so different than I would be if I were just by myself. Mm. I love that answer. And I love that concept of, yeah, others sharpening us and making mm -hmm. us better. And, you know, I always say that, I've made my husband a much more patient man <laughs> because since marrying me, he's had to be. So you're welcome, sweetie. <laughs> yes, uh, he shared some of that with me. <laughs> I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. This next question reads, I know that when we get to heaven, we will praise God's name and sing holy, holy, holy. But what else will we do? The Bible tells us there will be mansions, but will we ever go inside them? The Bible asks about sitting at a table. Will we eat in heaven? I guess I kind of developed an idea that in heaven we will do what we would have been doing if we were still in the Garden of Eden, taking care of God's creation. So will we have tasks or roles in heaven? Um, there are Bible verses talking about how we will judge angels. Will some of us be tasked with being judges? Will we ever have time to walk with biblical heroes of old and ask them about their experiences? Will we have time to simply sit and talk with Jesus? I'm just so curious and so incredibly eager to know, what will we be doing? Thank you for everything you have done for this school. You will be missed. Well, I think that there is both continuity and discontinuity in the life that is to come. It's new heavens and a new earth, and yet there are certain continuities there. The book of Revelation says the kings of the nations will bring their glory into the new Jerusalem. What uh, are, are there vestiges of culture that continue uh, into uh, our, our new existence? What will that be like? I, I don't think we know fully. I think that 
C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, probably the first time I read that, greatly expanded my appreciation for um, some of the avenues that heaven might take. Um, we begin in the garden, but we seem to be ending in a city. Uh, uh, and, but yet that city is in, in a new earth. And um, I, I think the, uh, the breadth of that, uh, I'm, I'm not sure that we understand that. God is never idle. God has called us to come into the joy of the Trinity to join the dance, so to speak. But there will be meaningful and purposeful enterprise in that. And eye has not seen, ear has heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. And he has revealed some of it to us by the Spirit. But I think it will be uh, far greater than we can uh, imagine. And I think there are a lot of pictures that are used designed to be windows into what that might be. And I think Jesus, as he heals and gives life, is, is showing us tastes of the kingdom that is to come. So I think we will be inside uh, the places that God has prepared for us. Um, there does seem to be uh, some uh, pictures of, uh, of shouting and feasting and sitting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, in the kingdom. So I think that all of those things are going to happen. And yet, in, in what way, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Mm. Either way, we can look forward. I already love shouting and feasting, so I look forward to more of that to come. Uh, and Luke says you often <laughs> shout when you feast, so that that is that's good. Yeah, well, I'm just always feasting. It's preparation. So. <laughs> yes, that's what I tell him. It's training. Yes. All right, this, this listener would like to know why you decided to serve. It's kind of a two-parter. Why did you decide to serve as head of school at Trinity? And how do you always seem to remain so jovial and happy? Well, I, I think that if you told me 20 years ago I would be head of school, I, I would have thought that you had taken leave of your senses. Um, and I think when Dr. Williams left and uh, some of the members of the board came to me and asked if I would step into an interim role, I thought that clearly that was something that needed to be done and, and was, was happy to do that. But when they asked me, would you would like to be considered uh, to be head of school, I, I said, A, I don't know if I can do it, and I, I don't know if I would want to do it. And I think you have to give me a few months here to see, let's see what happens, and then uh, I'll give you an answer to that. What I found was in those first few months as interim was that there was great symmetry between being head of school and what I had enjoyed uh, much of in the pastorate. And I found uh, that, uh, that affinity and that joy and that just being involved in people's lives and being able to, um, to walk with them through life. And, and, and that came to me. 
I also think that when the board, in taking leave of their senses and asking me to actually come and be head of school, I also think I was undergirded with a very real sense that because this is something I would never have thought of or looked for, that this was really God's call mm. on my life that that uh, to come and to do this. I, I really felt a sense that because of the way things happen, that clearly it was the Lord's voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. And so I, I think I came with a great comfort that the Lord would walk with me in this. Um, and then I, I just think that, you know, you can't live life without a sense of humor. And my goodness, if you're around kids all day, you could always find something to laugh at. And they are a constant source of, of just surprise. And um, I, I think it's just being able to to laugh at ourselves, but laugh at each other as well as, as we walk together. And uh, I, I think there's a, there's a quote that says, a man without mirth is like a wagon without springs. And uh, in all the, you know, sometimes the, the way is rocky and we're going to get bounced around a bit. So mirth does enable us to uh, cushion some of those jolts and uh, enable us to, to keep uh, an even keel. Mm. And I will say, just as an employee here, it's a joy to see you interact with the students and the way that they, especially the lower school students, seem to have this view of you almost as this mystical Santa Claus figure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and as they work on my titles too, Dr. <laughs> Mr., Mr. Doctor. Yes. What we, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. What fun. Yes. Uh, for everything else, there's MasterCard. <laughs> <laughs> How do you recommend, this is from a parent, how do you recommend helping students with the pressure to compare? We are all made in God's image, but it's hard not to try to live up to standards we set for ourselves based on what we're seeing around us, often on social media. I think it's important to be grounded in the identity that God has given to us, that we understand that God has made each of us uniquely. He has made each of us to be able to praise him in a way that no one else can. And while we are part of a symphony, nonetheless, we have a distinct role that cannot be duplicated by anyone else. And so I think that having an understanding that what the world values is not what God values, and the priorities of the world are not God's priorities. And it is hard when we are surrounded by so much noise and wanting so much to be accepted to understand and appreciate our acceptance with God and pleasing God as being the first thing in our lives, the paramount thing in our lives, and to concentrate on what pleases God. Calvin, to go back, says that it is only by knowing God that we know ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we are going to get false pictures of ourselves when we look to other creatures. It's only as we look at God that we begin to truly see ourselves and understand ourselves and the, the identity that he has given us, that we are 
the intentional creation of a loving father, that we are made in his likeness, that we bear his image, that we are clothed with dignity and crowned with honor, that we are the high stewards over all the works of his hands. And it is this biblical understanding of who we are that I think grounds us in a very positive, indeed glorious self-image and self-understanding that delivers us from this nihilistic existential despair that we see all around us. So I think that the idea is to rejoice in the confidence that God knew what he was doing when he made us just as he made us. Mm. Um, you know, I, I couldn't understand why God didn't make me at least 6'3 for basketball and, and do other things, but uh, God had uh, other purposes for me. Uh, but to be able to trust him that he knows what he's about and he has fashioned us and also fashioned us not just for uh, the three score years and 10 here, but he has made us for eternity. And what we may not see how we're fitting in here, God has a much longer horizon than we do. And he is shaping and molding us here for eternity. And, and I think it, it's helpful to to look with a, a more distant horizon and not the narrow confines of uh, of high school. Mm, Yes. An amazing answer. I I think what a sense of purpose that gives us to realizing that identity, knowing that God is made us just as we are for a reason. I've been thinking about the Christmas story with Christmas coming up and a devotional I'm reading talked about even the donkey played such a pivotal role in getting married to where she needed to be. You know, what a bigger role we play in God's story that he blesses us with being able to be part of his story. What is one piece of advice you can give for upcoming high school students who are going into college, which you may have already covered, but maybe instead of seniors, perhaps that first year being away from home, what advice would you give? I think that there is always something spiritually advantageous to being brought into a new situation where we find ourselves perhaps insufficient. We're definitely out of our comfort zone, but we really have to lean into God in a new and fresh way, and to begin to uh, trust him and lean not to our own understanding. I think those are are positive things as we are stretched, but also uh, to know that God is with us in this, not only that he's working in these new circumstances, working to bring us uh, to an expected end, but also that he is walking with us in those circumstances. Uh, As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Be strong and very courageous. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I think it is is those things. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about them that fear him. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord is your sure defense. The Lord guards your coming out and your going in from this day forth, but also forevermore. And and I think 
those first times of, of college and homesickness and, uh, you know, am I going to find the right roommate? Am I going to find friends? Am I going to fit in? All of those things are going to drive us into the arms of, of Jesus and to our Heavenly Father, uh, whose arms are always wide open for us. And, and so I think it's, it's a great thing, anything that drives us into the arms of the Father, are, are a good and positive thing for us. And I think uh, we, we shouldn't uh, despair in that, but, but run with joy to the Father. Amen. Now, if you were to do something other than being head of school, what would be your other dream job? My dream job would be to be a greeter and busboy at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I, would, I would love just to greet people. Uh, to clean off the tables, to get refill their drinks. I don't want to work at the register. I, uh, re- <laughs> I, I don't want to have to do technology or any of that stuff. I want to be able to just say my pleasure, and uh, I just I just think that would be a great job. Mm, a true heart of service. Yes, <laughs> and you know, free Chick Fil A probably in it too. That had entered my mind too. I, I would be carrying a, a, a cup of sweet tea with me. Yes, mm, indeed. How? old is your oldest grandchild? When did you become a grandfather? So Henry right now is three. He turned three in September and, and Theo is about um, uh, six weeks old now. Aww, so uh, congratulations. we have two boys, uh, an heir and a spare, as we would say. <laughs> what have you, what has being a grandfather maybe taught you or surprised you? What has that experience of becoming a grandfather been like? It has taught me that when grandmothers are present, in this case, mum-mum, that papa really is uh, not front and center. (laughs) And that um, perhaps it is, once again, a way in which the Lord is teaching me humility Mm. and to um, help me to understand that there are brighter lights in the room uh, than just myself. So, but I also think it is a precious thing to see your children's children on the face of the earth. It is a it is a great blessing from God, and it's great to interact with them. But it is also a wonderful thing to be able to give them back to your parents <laughs> when you feel that you have had sufficient time with them. Indeed, indeed. Dr. Vanderpool, we cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your very busy schedule to sit down and answer some of our most pressing questions for you as you are in your last year here at Trinity. So thank you so much. It's always fun to be with you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Mind and Heart, a podcast by Trinity Christian School. If you enjoyed this conversation, leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. It helps us so much. For more information, visit us at www.tcsfairfax.org.